Over the next few weeks, we will be interviewing the authors from the collaborative book, The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection, which is set to release in February of 2024. These authors have each experienced their own unique grief journey and will be sharing their personal stories with us. We will also explore the specific tools they used to cope with their grief and how these tools can benefit others who may be going through similar experiences. Grief is a complex and challenging process, and each person's experience is different. By sharing our stories and tools, we hope to provide support, guidance, and comfort to those navigating their grief journey. Each author has experienced different types of loss and comes from a variety of backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences. As a result, they offer valuable insights and perspectives. We are honored to have them join us on this podcast series and to share their stories and tools with you, our Path 11 podcast listeners. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. I'm so excited that you are here with us today, and we have another great show for you. I'd like to introduce you to Tiffany Thomas. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist who is in Los Angeles, California. So for all of you California listeners, I'm bringing somebody from the uh, West Coast on the show today. And Tiffany began her career over 10 years ago as a drug and alcohol counselor helping those using substances. And after a few years, she realized she wanted to work with others on their reasons for why they were coping with drugs and alcohol and decided to pursue a degree in clinical psychology. She has a small private practice. And so those of you, if you are looking for a therapist, well, we're going to find out if she has any openings and uh, we'll find exactly where she's located in California. But she does have a small private practice and is passionate about helping others work on healing from grief substance use, trauma, and abusive relationships. So if you're going through any of that, this is definitely a show you want to continue to listen to because she's going to share some of her story, some of her expertise. And the other exciting thing is she is one of the authors that I am co-authoring the Grief Experience book with. And so it's really exciting to be able to meet her and to have her on the show and to hear how she is going to contribute uh, to this book. And we're actually, you know, pre-recording a lot of these episodes. Our book is scheduled to be launched in February of 2024. So we are recording this a little bit uh, beforehand. And before we actually have had our meeting with the publicist to figure out what are we going to write? We all have kind of a little bit of a loose idea, but we're still waiting to have those meetings. So, so when the book comes out, Tiffany might write something totally different, as will I. So we don't know, but we're, we're trying to figure it out as we go. So just wanted to let you guys know that as well. And so, Tiffany, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's so nice to have you. And I, it's so refreshing because a lot of times, you know, I talk to a lot of different authors on this podcast and we talk a lot about spirituality, life after death, consciousness, lots of different topics. But many times they aren't people who are in the mental health profession. And, you know, I consider a lot of the people that I've been interviewing for this book part of my peer group. 
so we can kind of have more of a discussion on the level of like clinical psychology, which was also my kind of home base before coming into a lot of spirituality. And I really feel like mental health and spirituality go hand in hand. You know, people who are really working on themselves and looking to reflect on themselves are also pursuing, I think, some sort of spiritual quest too to figure out like, who am I and how can I be a better person? So I'm really excited to uh, have you here and have you representing Los Angeles. So I'd like to know just a little bit more about you and your background. How did you decide that you wanted to get into psychology and specifically working with people who were struggling with drugs and alcohol? Because that is a very tough field to say, oh, sign me up for that, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I actually started out as a hairstylist. That was my first career. I had done that, I think, for about six years. And I had just realized that I wasn't passionate about it. It was hard to build up a clientele. I was working in salons and it just it just wasn't fitting for me. Uh, and at the time, I was kind of reevaluating a move. And, you know, if I moved, would I want to kind of start over and continue being a hairstylist or would I want to switch careers? So I really started to think about what did get me going, what um, amped me up, what energized me. And I started thinking about my own family history with alcoholism and how that impacted me. And so that really led my led me down the path to uh, going back to school, becoming a drug and alcohol counselor. I did that for a few years. I worked in all different treatment settings from residential to detox, to outpatient, sober living. And I did that for a few years. And then I started to go, huh. Okay, once you take away the coping skill, what are you kind of left with? And that's really kind of the meat of it. That's that's where everything kind of stems from. And we all are impacted by our own history and childhood and relationships and, you know, who had an impact on us in our development. And so I realized that was really at the root of what I wanted to do. Mm, lovely. Yeah, I can totally relate. My uh, audience knows that you know, I, my mom struggled a lot with addiction, both alcohol and drugs and, you know, being a child of an alcoholic and, you know, going through a pretty just crazy life, it seemed like, you know, moving a lot and quite a bit of trauma and, you know, dealing with her, you know, relapses and things of that sort. It was just kind of ongoing really until her death about three years ago. So, so yeah, I hear you. And I actually had the opposite reaction. I didn't want to work with anybody that was dealing with alcohol and drugs. And if somebody came into my private practice, I'm like, all right, you got to go and you got to get that substance abuse help. And then you can come back to me. I just don't specialize in it, you know, and I think it was just hit too close to home in many ways. So I dealt a little bit more with people going through, you know, the PTSD, anxiety, trauma and things of that sort. So I did. I ran from it. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> interesting you say that, because when I when I started therapy myself, I think I was 14 or 15. And at some point, my therapist had said to me, like, have you ever thought about being a therapist? And I said, oh, no, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. The last thing I want to do is listen to people talk about themselves all day. No, no, no. And then look where I am now. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I like the fact that you were also talking about, It's. it sounds like you were really immersed in all aspects of addiction therapy and and counseling. But then you went back to try to help people figure out the why. Why are you? Uh, choosing this? Why Why has this become a coping skill? So have you found the answer to that question? What? What's the connection to 
a lot of people who struggle with different addictions. And what are you seeing as kind of the core foundation or any types of theme that is happening in people's lives? Gosh, great question. If I had the answer, I feel like I, I'd be a millionaire. I, I don't have the answer, but I think, you know, a lot of it stems from dissatisfaction and contradictions. I think I work with a lot of people who, you know, their behaviors might not be in line with actually what they value and what's important to them. They're not aware of that on a conscious level. So there's an anxiety that's underlying. There's an insecurity that's underlying. I also think that our relationships are a huge piece in just how we feel and whether we're happy and whether we feel satisfied, whether we're fulfilled, you know, whether you have good or bad relationships with your family, your coworkers, your friends, your children, you know, your parents, or even just yourselves, you know, at the end of the day, do you like who you go to bed with? And if the answer is no to any of that, people have a tendency to to want to escape from those feelings. So, you know, it might not be drugs and alcohol. It might be food. It might be sex. It might be exercise. It might be, you know, something else. I think to to some degree, we all have that. I think Candy Crush is probably <laughs> my coping skill. I spend way too much time doing, but we all have it to, to some degree. And some people struggle with it a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of think like from the spiritual aspect too, it's like as souls, we come into this planet Earth and it's loaded with lots of stuff to get addicted to, right? There's like healthier addictions, but then, you know, I kind of wonder if part of our lesson of being here is learning about moderation, right? Because it's like, if you look around, everybody has some sort of addiction, I think, you know, and mine's probably music and going to live music concerts, you know, but, but yeah, so I think that, you know, it's a challenge and we're here and we have lots of goodies and lots of good food and sugar and, you know, alcohol, drugs. And, and I think for some people too, that have struggled with, you know, a lot of trauma, people sometimes don't really feel comfortable being inside their body. And you know, that addiction, either that substance or getting that hit off of going shopping or gambling kind of like allows them, I think, some of that relief to kind of escape up and out. I don't know if you'd agree or not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're just talking and I was thinking about, you know, the importance also of not looking at someone that might be using drugs and alcohol as someone that's weak or someone that's a failure. And it's so much more complex than that. There's so there's so much of a spectrum also with, you know, coping with drugs and alcohol. Not everyone is either an addict or not an addict. It's, there's just a lot more nuance to it. And so I get really excited about my background and being able to work with people that just get to live in that gray area that, you know, that aren't just going to come in and be labeled as one thing or another. Yeah, I agree. So, so I'd love to hear how you got involved with the grief experience and how, you know, co-authoring a chapter in this book kind of came into your life. Yeah, it's interesting. So I would say like within the last year or so, I've actually been contemplating writing a book in, in general at some point in the future. But it was just kind of this idea that I was like, eh, probably never going to happen. Seems very hard. I, I don't know. And I'm part of this uh, therapist group on Facebook and someone had posted in there, hey, you know, we're, we're putting a book together with a variety of authors to talk about grief. And I think the timing just really 
I was perfect, you know, going through the middle of my own divorce and feel like this would be a good opportunity for me to kind of write out what it was like for me for my own healing, but also to test the waters a little bit on what's it like to write something that's going to be be out there and be in a book. So as soon as I uh, talked to the person that was putting it all together, I was like, okay, this is something I, I definitely want to be a part of. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And I'm I'm really glad that you're bringing, you know, like a different um, spin or dynamic on it. I think that there was a couple of authors too that are talking about a different type of loss. You know, this is all, this book is all like comprehensive of all different types of grief and divorce is definitely one of them. So do you want to bring us through just a little bit of your process of just uh, what the grief and loss has been like for you as you've, you know, been moving through that? Yeah, sure. So it's really, it's really interesting because I would say that I'm somebody that I function well and I don't tend to show when I'm struggling or or when I'm upset, which I, I learned in my own process was a little bit of a double-edged sword because other people didn't know I was struggling and they assumed, you know, she seems okay. And so I really had to learn to reach out and be direct and say, hey, actually, I'm really, I'm really struggling today or this is really hard or this is coming up for me. But yeah, you know, it, it it's really... I keep saying interesting, but it really is. Like looking back, I've been thinking about um, the process and it's a little over a year ago that my ex and I separated and the divorce was final just this last February. But I started having symptoms of grief. Like I'm sure there were some before, but immediately after I was out of out of the marriage, I didn't know it was grief. I thought that I was very stressed. I was having um, some memory problems that were really concerning to me. I was constantly tired and exhausted, you know, not sleeping well. And finally went to the doctor. Everything was fine, you know, and I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. I've never felt this way before. Still didn't think it was great. I'm just really stressed. I had gotten a a promotion at work. So I thought, oh, it must be stress getting promoted. And then I was at this grief training actually last fall and they were talking about the physical symptoms and all of a sudden it clicked and I went, oh my gosh, I've been labeling what I've been feeling as stress and it's not stress, it's grief. And I mean, that was months and months of going through it before I even realized that that's what it is. And I think it just goes to show, yes, I'm a therapist, but when it's yourself, you do not have the same insights and awareness as you you want to have or you think you have. So once I once I realized, oh shoot, this is actually grief, I was able to be a little bit more proactive, be a little bit kinder to myself about about what the experiences was like. And that's just in the in the physical uh, grief symptoms that I experienced, but all of the little moments of a real visceral grief, you know, that I experienced along the way, the feelings that I experienced along the way and processing how people reacted to the news I was getting divorced. I mean, there's just, it was so much more complex. And to your point, I think, you know, when people think grief, I would say most think a death, you know, the loss of a person to death. And 
my experience was different. You know, the person's still alive, the relationship, you know, memories are still very much alive. It just adds in another layer to the grieving process. Yeah, absolutely. And and still a lot of the same stuff, you know, with grief as if somebody did die. It's like that first year, a lot of the anniversaries that go by, the birthdays, you know, the memories or the places that that you've gone or if you're staying in the same town and, you know, it's like having that whole just imprint of memories with that one person. And then, you know, the physical act of having to move, you know, or if people are selling houses together and then starting new. I remember when I went through my divorce, I was so mad the day that I had to go food shopping in my new place. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have to buy all new stuff, new ketchup, new relish, you know, just like all these little things that you're like not planning on that you already had stocked in your house, you know, beforehand. It's just like literally just starting out fresh and 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 new and, you know, all all of those like just like small little things that could just trigger you and piss you off or make you feel really sad. I know there's there's two things I, I think of when you say that. One is, I mean, it's been over a year and I'm still trying to figure out how to grocery shop for one without having to throw up bad. I still yeah. haven't figured that out. But the other thing is, yeah, those moments of like just being exhausted from work and going, oh my gosh, I just wish someone else would take up the trash. And there's no one else to take out the trash anymore. Or, gosh, I really wish someone was here and could just cook my dinner because I'm exhausted. And it's like, oh, well, no, that's actually, you know, not the life anymore. You have to do everything on your own and figure it out. And yeah, so all those moments, I mean, they still happen, you know, over a year later. Yeah, absolutely. I remember having those same exact moments. I remember the first snowstorm because I live in New York. I was like, God damn it. I got stuck. I had no snowblower. I was like literally shoveling for hours of like this three foot snowstorm. And I think I was cursing the whole entire time and crying. And and that was really raw, like after after it happened. So, yeah, I've had those moments, too. And it still sounds like you're pretty also raw in it. I mean, it's it's only a year out, you know. And I remember somebody once telling me, like, all relationships are eternal. So it's like even if it's 10 years out, it's still like. You know, you'll probably remember like, wow, I would have been married for, you know, 11 years at this point or whatever the case may be. So so at where have you seen your journey from maybe the first couple of months to a year out on maybe um, seeing your growth or your journey through the grief? And where do you feel like you are right now? Yeah, I would definitely say I'm, I'm a lot more at peace. There were some, you know, aspects of the relationship and also the the divorce process, paperwork and all that, that was really stressful. And, you know, I think I had a lot of anger, you know, was kind of the like initial onset feeling, I would say that I felt, which I think distracted me from really, you know, the sadness and the hurt and the disappointment. So, so the, the sadness and the hurt and the disappointment are the more fresh feelings because that anger really hid that good for, for a bit of time. See, I think I'm a lot more at peace. You know, having the divorce finalized was really helpful in moving my process forward because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't waiting on my ex to do anything or we didn't have to communicate about anything. It's like, okay, I could officially, you know, close that chapter and figure out how to, how to live on my own. And then I've really just learned to enjoy my own time. I feel, um, I, you know, I don't want to erase 
you know, my marriage. I don't want to erase um, the relationship that I had and what I went through. So I really try to be mindful to make room for little grief moments that come up. If I hear a song, if I have a certain memory, if there's a holiday, you know, I, I'm really allowing room for those moments now and go, okay, yeah, today I'm sad or it, you know, really pissed off that this thing happened three years ago or, you know, this picture, Facebook. Thank you, Facebook, for reminding me of all my memories, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm a lot more compassionate, you know, with myself. And also, you know, I've had to be really gracious about people in my life and not being hard on them for not saying the right thing that I wanted them to say. And that was hard in the beginning. You know, people had a lot of different reactions and comments and opinions about things. And, you know, but I, I realized that everyone's just doing the best they can. They're trying to support me, even if it doesn't sound to me like they're, they're being supportive. And, but, you know, at this point, it's, you know, over a year later. And when those moments come up, people aren't going to know. They're not going to be able to read my face. They're not living with me. So if I want support, I need to reach out and I'm in my own therapy or I have, you know, some trusted friends that I can say, hey, you know, this grief is still here and still sucks. And, you know, I really thought that I was going to be married the rest of my life. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near being the, at the end of, of this grief journey and I've had some other things change in my life that I think have stirred up some of the grief, you know, oh, this is reminding me unconsciously of some of the grief from the divorce. So I'm dealing with all that. But I'm really proud of myself and happy where I'm at. Yeah, I think what's, you know, could be really helpful for some people who are listening to this, especially if people are in the midst of just starting this process. You know, it could just feel so heavy, just like, you know, a death and, and bereavement and grief with death. You almost feel like, am I ever going to get through this? Will this ever lift these emotions and these feelings? So I always think it's nice for people to hear other people's stories that are a little bit further out than them, where, you know, now we can reflect back and say, hey, you know, I'm a year out and I actually have found some peace. Yes, I'm still in some of these moments, but I'll get there, you know, and it is very cliche that time heals all wounds, but there really is something with just giving these situations that we go through in life time and space and holding it, you know? And so I think it's really inspiring to hear where you are in such a short, you know, period of time. And I think one of your biggest takeaways too is like, if you're one of those people that has a hard time asking for help or showing, you know, others where you're at, or you may be part of your friend group. Like I think most of us who are therapists are like the ones that like our friends come to. So when we're like in trouble, it's like, uh oh, what do we do? You know, April's usually the one, Tiffany's the one that, I, you know, usually is the one that has the answers now. Am I supposed to have the answers, you know, for her? So it can be hard for people to then switch roles for us if we've always played that role. So you know, I really like that awareness that you have of reaching out and letting people know. Otherwise, they won't know, you know, and people aren't mind readers and they're so busy with their own lives. And when you were saying, you know, that the divorce, once the divorce kind of came through, I kind of always look at that when those divorce papers come in and the signatures are done, that's kind of the funeral, right? <laughs> it's it kind of 
all of a sudden that it's like a ceremony and ritual that really kind of allows space to open up from that point. Because unless you have kids, you know, if you don't have kids, then really there's no other communication or we don't have to communicate unless we, you know, decide to or want to. So, yeah, well, I'm really glad that you're going to be sharing uh, this experience. And I know that you're still kind of uh, working on what your chapter is going to be and maybe what that tool will be. So we're not going to reveal that in this episode. So you guys are going to have to buy the book and see, you know, what that tool is going to be. So it's also really great for those of you who are listening to know that this book is a collection of all different types of grief. So it's not just death. So this could be a great book also for people who are going through relationship loss as well. And Tiffany is going to be the voice, one of the voices in this book on that. So as we come to a close, Tiffany, how can people find you? What is the best way? I know you're working on a new website, so we'll probably have that ready and in the show notes for people. But if they want to find you, what would be an easy way if they would like to come into your private practice? And do you have any openings? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so... For now, until this gets released and we've got some updated information, I do have a Psychology Today profile. So you can search my name and my office is located in Studio City within Los Angeles. So that's a good way to filter me and find me. I am seeing clients both in person and online and I do have some openings. So feel free to reach out. Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our episode today and I look forward to bringing you another guest later on. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.